Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Uh, This sermon was preached at Telford United Methodist Church on World Communion Sunday using Lamentations chapter 3 as the text. Uh, We hope that you uh, enjoy today's message. We hope that it encourages you and uplifts you and helps you grow in your faith to be real, be loving, and be involved. So, World Communion Sunday, please turn your Bibles to Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3, verses 19 through 26. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good, and to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of God. Anybody read from Lamentations this past week? No. It's often not a book of the Bible that we immediately jump into, right? I mean, I I told you that every morning I read from the Psalms. I I don't exactly read from Lamentations every single morning, but I thought that it was important for us, especially on this World Communion Sunday, and because I think that there's some, some things in here that are specific to us. Now, I know World Communion Sunday today is the first Sunday in October, right? So in one way, every first Sunday of the month is a time where we come to the table to share in communion. What's significant about today, though, is that it's not just the ordinary routine of the first Sunday of the month in communion. It is a time set apart for us around the world to share in communion on this specific day. See, some of you grew up in a tradition where the first Sunday of the month at a church you received communion, right? Did some of y'all do that? Okay. Um, some of you grew up in a, ever been to a church where its communion is every single week? Right? So, so many churches do that. Um, or maybe you're in a, in a church that communion is a little more sporadic. I grew up in between a Baptist and a Church of God, and, and there were only a couple of times throughout the year where we received communion. Um, you know, sometime around Easter, before Easter we would have communion, and then sometime, I think in Advent or around Christmas, I don't know, we would, we would have communion. But it wasn't a regular routine. One thing I appreciate about coming into the Methodist Church is many of our churches set aside the first Sunday of the month to focus on the table, to be refreshed and renewed, to focus on the meaning of communion and the importance of it. See, communion is what we call a sacrament. Today you heard uh, greetings read in several different languages. And the word sacrament actually comes from the Latin, which you heard Willie read a greeting from today. And the word actually means a mystery. We have two sacraments in our United Methodist Church. One is communion and the other is baptism. 
which this morning we are reminded of that as well as we have our baptismal fonts with water in it. So today we will share in communion recognizing God's grace to us as well through the waters of baptism. So World Communion Sunday, though, is specific in that it began in the late 1930s. See, in particular, there was a group of ecumenical Christian leaders. The word ecumenical just means people from different denominations. So you had some Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists, Church of Brethren. They all came together in the late 1930s because of what was happening in the world. A little history reminder of what was happening in the world in the late 1930s. Great Depression and World War II is going on, right? So these Christian leaders, they came together and they were looking, how can we as the church offer healing and hope when the world is just being torn apart? What is it that we can do in the midst of such an awful time in the history of our world that we can offer hope and reconciliation in the name of Jesus? And what these Christian leaders did was that they, in the midst of the world being at war, in the Second World War, they sought God's direction and they offered an invitation for the world to come to the table. Right in the middle of the war, they, right in the midst of, of the, the conflict, they offered an invitation regardless of your denomination, regardless of your nationality or race or ethnicity, regardless of any social or physical differences that often divide people, today was geared and set apart to be a time of Christian unity, a time when all Christians around the world can all share in the sacraments of Holy Communion together on the same day because we are all one in Christ Jesus. We have one King, and He is over one kingdom. We have one Father, and we are all His children. So today is this ecumenical day to share in the celebration of World Communion Sunday. People around the world, and even in Elizabeth, sharing in the sacraments of Holy Communion. But I want you to remember that when communion, World Communion Sunday began, things were about as bad in the world as they had ever been. So today we come to a reading in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is a word that literally means a song of lament or sorrow. It was written by the prophet Jeremiah, and it was written as in poetic verse. So Lamentations is poetry that was written to be sang or, or chanted like a funeral dirge when a body was being moved to its final resting place in the ground. Lamentations is a time of this expressing this lament and expressing this sorrow because of the way that things are. See, Jeremiah had a nickname. Jeremiah was nicknamed the Weeping Prophet. And over the next three weeks in October, we're going to look from passages of Scripture from the book of Jeremiah as our October theme will revolve around one particular question. And that question is, how can we have a living faith in ordinary, everyday situation when my life has not turned out the way that I thought it would? Now, I know that's a lot of words, and any 
preaching professor I've ever had has always said keep your sermon titles and all the things really, really short so people can remember them and it's easier to market and all this. And I know that's a lot of words. But I think all those words are important. For October, how do we have a real and living faith in the midst of everyday situations and circumstances when my life has not turned out the way that I thought that it would? See, that's why Jeremiah ended up writing Lamentations. Jeremiah lived during a time when the Babylonian Empire had came in and overtaken the northern kingdom of Israel, which had fallen 120 years before to the Assyrians. And then this Babylonian Empire, under this mighty king named Nebuchadnezzar, made his way south into the land of Judah, where Jeremiah lived. They destroyed the temple that Solomon built. They tore down the walls of Jerusalem. They burned the city. There were people that were killed. Others were taken off into exile as captives in Babylon. And a few people were left in the remains. Jeremiah was one of the people who was left. So as he writes Lamentations, he's literally looking around at the devastation that is around him. He's literally looking at how broken everything is. He's remembering the glory of what used to be with the reality of what is in front of him now. And there's laments and there's sorrow coming out of Jeremiah and there's questions. Questions like, how can we worship God without Solomon's beautiful temple? Questions like, why would God let this happen to us? Questions like, how can we go on with a real and living faith in the midst of these situations and circumstances in front of us? How can we have a real and living faith when life has not turned out the way that we thought it would? Now, I know this might be a strange place to begin on World Communion Sunday as we're focused on the celebration of coming to the table in unity and in Christ Jesus. But I think this book of Lamentations has some things to share with us, even where Jeremiah was, but also where we are today. See, because when you look for the bad things in life, you're going to find them. They're actually very easy to find. It's extremely easy to see negative in the world around us. It's very easy to see negative in other people, especially people who are different than us or who disagree with us on particular issues. It's easy to feel this negativity and often this begins, I think, as words of discouragement. I believe the devil speaks words of discouragement into our ears. And those words of discouragement, which we hear them, we process them in our mind. And those small little words of discouragement heard in our ears and processed in our mind take root in our hearts. And it's interesting, we call the devil a father of lies. We call him a deceiver, but he speaks often to us in half-truths. Just enough of the truth that you know that it's plausible and that it maybe even is probable and you hear those half-truths of discouragement and then you think about those half-truths of discouragement and then you feel those half-truths of discouragement. See, maybe instead of 
just listening to these discouraging words, even though it's a half-truth that we're hearing, maybe we as Christians have the rest of the truth that we could then speak back to the one who is only speaking half of it into our ear to begin with. See, yes, I am a sinner. That is half the truth. But I have been saved by the blood of Jesus. That is the rest of my story and the rest of the truth that I can speak back to Jesus. No, I'm not a perfect father, but I've got a perfect father who loves me unconditionally. That's the rest of my story and the rest of the truth that I can speak back to him in the name of Jesus. Yes, I'm broken. But I've been put back together by the grace of God. That's the rest of the truth and the rest of my story that I can speak back to Jesus. And all of this begins with remembering. Jeremiah says, I remember, and listen to what he remembers, my affliction, my wandering, my bitterness, the gall, I well remember them. And my soul, when I remember all of these things, Jeremiah said, is downcast within me. No wonder, right? What Jeremiah is remembering is things that he's done in his past. Jeremiah is looking at the current situation of things. And he's like, this is what I'm remembering, man. And when I remember all of these things, when I turn on the news, when I look at my Facebook feed, when I check out my Google, my Google browser, Chrome browser, when I, when, I'm, when I turn on the TV, when I'm talking to other people, it's all of these things are going on and my soul is downcast within me. Jeremiah would say, when I look at the current state of affairs in the nation in which I live, my soul is downcast within me. And Jeremiah is actually quoting a psalm. And in the psalm that Jeremiah quotes, um, I wanted to read for you because it's Psalm 42. Psalm 42 was written not by David, but rather by the sons of Korah. Korah was a, a Levite priest who lived during the time of Moses. And all of his sons would have served in some capacity in temple worship. And he had some sons, apparently, who had the gift of music. Maybe this is like one of the earliest praise bands. If you don't like that, then it's one of the earliest choirs, okay? Whatever, whatever picture you need. But they're gifted musically, and they write this, this hymn of praise to God that we have as Psalm 42, which says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. And while other people say to me all day long, where is your God? So these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? within me. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. So therefore I will remember you 
from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mitzar, deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord declares his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten? Why must I go about mourning? Oppressed by the enemy, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 42 is an interesting back and forth with the psalmist. But I think it's a perfect indication and reflection of where we are many times. I am going to praise Jesus today. Why am I just in such a mood like this? Wait, I am going to hope in Jesus today. Why is my soul so downcast within me? Right? And three times. That's why I think it was a praise band. It's like a contemporary song. It's over and over and right? Three times in this psalm, the exact same question is asked, why is my soul so downcast within me? Eugene Peterson wrote a translation or a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, and he translated that verse this way. Why are you so down in the dumps, my dear soul? Why are you so down in the dumps, my dear soul? The answer for the sons of Korah is because they're looking around at the reality of the current events around them. Can I tell you that can put your soul down in the dumps? For Jeremiah, it's because he's remembering things he's done in his past. Can I tell you that can put your soul down in the dumps? He's also looking at the current state of affairs around him. How broken everything is. Can I tell you that can put your soul down in the dumps? And so with this down in the dumps in Psalm 42, these sons of Korah say, yet, yet, right? This is the current reality, man. But even, even in this, even because of this, I get it, this is how things are. Yet, I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. Jeremiah in Lamentations says, I dwell on these things. I think about these things, but there's one thing that I remember, and this one thing is going to bring hope, and this one thing is something that I'm calling to mind. Even in all of those situations of the reality of how they are, even though this is how I feel. Now, our feelings are a gift from God. We should acknowledge our feelings. Our feelings are also, at times, all over the board. I don't know if you've ever met anybody at times who's whose emotions and feelings can just be like, like, right? Or maybe that's you. That we can be all over the place just in a matter of moments. There has to be something that grounds us in those times. There has to be something that is our anchor during those times of just being all over the board. And Jeremiah says there is. And he says we specifically call it to mind. We tell it to come here. There's other stuff that's bouncing around all over the walls in here. There's something, though, that I can say, hey, wait, 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 
in the midst of all of this, I'm going to intentionally and focusedly recall this. And what Jeremiah says that it is, is the love of the Lord, the Lord's great love, and His compassions or mercies, that they never fail and they're new every morning. So he says, great is thy faithfulness. It seems like a song right there, doesn't it? It's almost like that even when I am faithless, I can be confident God is faithful. Even when I'm in a difficult situation in my life now, I can look back and say, wait a minute, God was with me then. God's going to be with me now, which means God will continue to be with me in the future. And if God is with me, if God took care of me back here, God's going to take care of me up here because He's faithful in that. If God was with me back here, God will be with me out here because God is faithful with that. And those are things that we recall and things that we remember. So Jeremiah says that I will wait. That's probably not our favorite thing to do. In particular, Jeremiah says, I'm even going to wait. I wonder why Jeremiah would have to be specific and quietly. And I think it's because sometimes while we are waiting, we are anything but quiet. Sometimes when we are waiting for that next thing to happen, we are going to use all sorts of words around us. We are going to be listening to all sorts of discouragements within us. And Jeremiah says there's got to be some time of quietness for you in how you are waiting. <coughs> psalm 5 is another beautiful psalm that says, I wait expectantly for the Lord. David said, I lay my prayers before you every morning, and I'm waiting on you to show up and to do something. And that's a kind of waiting that I think that we are called into as the body of Christ. Waiting patiently. Waiting expectantly. See, World Communion Sunday was meant to cross warring boundaries that divide us as God's children. We only have one king. And we only have one kingdom. But in 1864, our country was in another kind of war. It was called the Civil War. Father James Sharon was a Confederate chaplain. He ministered to the soldiers right on the blood-soaked battlefields. On one occasion, on May 18th, he offered the sacrament of Holy Communion to the Confederate soldiers first. He looked and he saw dangling from a tree the remains of a human heart. So he went across the battle line and he offered communion to the Union soldiers as well. And that image has really stuck with me this week. A civil war battle being momentarily paused so that people on both sides, in all of their brokenness, in all of their bloodshed, could receive the broken bread and the shed blood of Christ in one cup. Because it was the same Lord who died for the North and the South. And it was the same Lord who offered them both reconciliation. The same Lord who offered them both, as his, as, both love as his children and ask them to love one another as brothers. Even in the midst of war, God met them where they were. In 1939, as nations continued to war and kill one another, God met them where they were. In 2019, 
as nations continue to war and kill one another, God meets us where we are. And today I believe he asks us to pause our battles, to set aside our prejudice, and to focus on his gifts on the table. To call to mind, as Jeremiah said, his love and his compassion and his faithfulness. And maybe, maybe when we leave this table, we won't resume where we have been. Maybe we could leave the table and allow God to really do a new thing in all of us. Maybe we could leave the table and truly love our neighbors, truly pray for our enemies, and realize the God-sized dream to be one world under God, indivisible, with life and liberty and justice for all. In the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Because Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. So, with that confidence, may we say the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You made from one every nation and every people to live on the face of the earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. He gave it to his disciples, 
And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so today, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as together we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. That we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with your church throughout the world and strengthen it in every nation and among every people to witness faithfully in your name. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquets through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father God, now and forever. Amen. Today we share in one loaf as a reminder that we are one body. As we share in the one loaf, we break this bread, recognizing that today we come as broken people. But recognizing that through our brokenness, it is only in Christ Jesus that we can be made whole. Today we share in one cup, remembering the gift of Jesus on the cross. And as his blood was poured out, we receive forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> 